It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. Today, we're joined by a regular contributor and film analyst, Mike at Bengals underscore Sands Santagata. Find him on Twitter at Bengals underscore Sands. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day, free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. We appreciate all of you that subscribe, follow, thumbs up, all those fun buttons, and We would appreciate you if you're not doing it, if you did those things too, if you like what we're doing. Today, we're going to dive into some film analysis on the Bengals' first four draft picks. Mike has had a chance to watch them in detail. He wrote them up over at allbengals.com, and we're going to go in chronological order here, but give a little bit of extra time to Cordell Volson, who... I know a lot of you Bengals fans are hoping is the next Clint Bowling, but we're going to start with Dax Hill, the Swiss Army knife, the coverage weapon, the safety, the slot corner, the, dare I say, outside corner. Controversially, I know, among present company, especially you, Mike, you've had a chance to watch a lot of Dax Hill since the Bengals drafted him. Let's go through the normal film breakdown. What do you see with Dax Hill? Is he as positionally versatile as I want him to be? (sighs) To me, no. But he is very positionally versatile, right? Because he can play safety, slot corner, box a little bit. Yeah, he's not the grass taken on block. So maybe you could argue he's not really a box safety right now either. Um, I just don't know if you take well, one, I don't know about the uh, the draft capital spent. They spent draft capital on an outside cornerback in the next round with a premium pick, and he's never really been an outside corner. So I just like those two things combined with it feels like this is something he does really well in the slot, staying with outbreakers, inbreakers, and uh, even carrying guys vertical. But what they do in the slot really isn't straight line, vertical. We're going to push vertical before I really sell this route the same way. Um, you think of outside routes like a deep dig, and you can get that from the slot, but let's talk the Jamar Chase route of a fade or nine, go, whatever, combined with having the ability to back shoulder or come back. And I don't know if he could defend that because it felt like he just had a little bit of issue of deceleration. And that's not something that's super important in the slot as much as it is on the outside when he fully opens his hips. But overall, really love Daxton Hill. He's this, I mean, glowing report of he's smooth and twitchy and has top end speed, which is just an awesome combo, especially playing the defensive backfield. Uh, he's like I mentioned, good in man coverage when he's in the slot, when it's vertical outbreakers, inbreakers, not a ton of like that push and stop type stuff because it's just so crowded in the middle of the field. Uh, he's got very good ball skills too. 
I think of one play against, I believe it was Nebraska, could be Wisconsin. It's a red uniform and uh, <laughs> it's a vertical route and he gets underneath it on the throw and he like swats it and breaks up the pass. But as it's in the air, he also <clears throat> catches it for an interception as he falls to the ground. And I was like, oh, that's that's just awesome. And to go with that, the nitty gritty uh, fun stuff here of the run game, he plays with his hair on fire a little bit. He clicks, he closes, he good closing speed because he's twitchy he's fast and then to go with that he's kind of got that maniac mentality a little bit like mike hilton where uh if he sees a just the slightest gap um he's firing through it and uh run, that's called a run through when it's a gap scheme you get a puller and there's a little gap from where he was you just run through you can break that up and uh in a zone scheme where you get the, let's say the center moves over and the guards dealing with a guy over here and there's a gap that's called fast fit right through there. So just two terms for you for to, to basically just mean I saw a gap and I ran through it to go get that guy. <laughs> From a fit standpoint, Mike, how well does he fit with Jesse Bates? Because on draft night, the Bengals take Dax Hill and everyone's thinking, and or at least a lot of fans were thinking, Andrew Booth Jr., Kyler Gordon, and they take Dax Hill, and most people's reaction was, oh, well, Jesse's gone. And to me, I think they fit pretty well together, but based on, on what you watched, and you've obviously watched a, a ton of Bates film over the past couple of years as well, can they coexist and, and, and play together and be on the field together at that safety spot, not necessarily with Dax uh, as a nickel, but at safety, do you think they're a good fit together? Love the question because specifically with Bates, I think he fits as a football player better. Uh, there's something that – so we know about the uh, whole idea that Von Bell in early 2020 was not as good in coverage, and then he suddenly became – he's better in coverage. Well, why was that? They stopped asking him to play man-to-man for the most part. <laughs> so <laughs> they just had him play his low-hole zone, take a little deep third, take some deep half, but they stopped asking him to cover Mark Andrews. And then when they want a safety to cover Mark Andrews, they asked Jesse Bates to do it. Or now it's they asked Trey Flowers to do it, right? So one thing I think is better with him and Bates than him and Bell is that now you can go back to playing cover one and Logan Wilson's at his best when he's playing that low hole middle, reading the quarterback, breaking up passes, intercepting balls. He's got great hands, great ball skills. Good job reading the quarterback. So you put him in his best position. You put Hill in his best position of man to man on a guy in the slot or as a tight end or even a back. And then you put Bates in his best position of deep middle third, right? So that's like three things that just work way better in one coverage as an example. Well, multiple whatever <laughs> one uh tree of coverages of cover one is just so much better with hill in my mind at least on paper than it was with bell and bates and that's one of the biggest advantages to me about dax hill getting on the field as a rookie is it gives luana rumo more flexibility to do some interesting things on defense to disguise more easily and i think we've even talked about this idea that they don't need to run corners over to the other side of the formation. So if Mike Hilton's on the field with Dax Hill, you're comfortable with either of those guys in the slot, let's say, depending on the matchups, right? Because maybe you would rather have Dax Hill on a Travis Kelsey than Mike Hilton for, for size reasons. For example, Mike Hilton giving up a little bit more height there. Uh, but with the three safety looks, with those three corners on the field as well, it gives them that a little bit extra disguise where they don't need to flip their corners around and, and can kind of play um, symmetrical defenses if they want to. Right. 
Absolutely. And the, yeah, like you're talking about here where you don't need to say you don't need the corner to follow and show that they're in man coverage because half the time they're doing that motion return motion, not jet so much, but like return motion or if they just shift and get a guy from one side to the other. It's there. It's just easy tell. It's, it's like the the is this man or zone for dummies kind of like, okay, follows man stays zone. Well, now you got a guy that over here that could take him a guy over here that could take him. You just like you have it communicated like maybe you don't even communicate on the field you just know it in game planning but maybe you have it on the field just like hey you're taking them now you probably have a call that isn't you telling exactly the offense what you're doing i don't know <laughs> i don't know just some kind of a bingo or something <laughs> i don't know it's just like you're taking that guy now and i'm staying here and now if it's uh i mean if it's a man problem where like he shifts over and now it's trips over there but we won't talk Let's say uh, uh, Hill's on the back originally and Hilton's on the slot receiver and the slot receiver shifts over and stops. And then you could just go like, okay, we know from game plan. Now I'm taking the slot and you've got the back and that's fine. And Hilton, like I mentioned, both these guys kind of got that maniac mentality. They they love getting in there and taking on blocks and man, nobody liked Mike Hilton doing that. I, I don't know. I've never seen uh, just – not talking about him, but when he took on Orlando Brown in the as a pooling tackle in the hole and made the tackle, I was like, oh my goodness, I've never seen a five foot nine man take on a hulking monster like that. We'll have to Prince. make sure we talk to Mike Hilton about that the next time we get a hold of him for the podcast. And Mike, I'm curious when we get to these next couple of players here, you, you've described Dax Hill as a maniac mentality. I want you to come up with some fun adjectives for the next a few guys as well and that's where we'll go next cam taylor Britt, zach carter and of course cordell volson a little bit later we'll go there coming up next but first a word from built bar <clears throat> the number one protein bar on the planet dax hill probably looking to add a little more muscle ahead of the 2022 nfl season i'm going to get my man dax on the built bar plan and hopefully get you on the built bar plan because whether you're just looking to add muscle or just stay healthy built bar is perfect for you, whether you're looking for a midday protein punch post-workout or you're in and out of meetings and you just want a healthy snack in between in the middle of a workday. Check them out right now at built.com. They have the best protein bars. They're covered in 100% chocolate. They're low in sugar. They're low in calories, high in protein. So don't delay. Go to built.com. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your order. Again, for 15% off, use promo code LOCK15 at built.com. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Real quick, before we dive into to Cam Taylor Britt, I do want to ask you, um, because it's not all rosy, and you mentioned the box stuff, and, and maybe he's not ready uh, to be a box safety. And he looks more like a corner than he does a safety just in person because he's got the you know those long arms, long legs. He's lean. But what stood out, or, you know, what was your biggest concern, Mike, about Dax Hill when you watched him on film? 
the biggest concern for right this very second probably is the box stuff. He does not come off blocks well. If a lineman gets on him, and these are college linemen, they're probably taking him for a ride. Uh, and if uh, an NFL lineman gets on him, I I just don't know. If he can't make a miss before they get on him, then he's probably not going to be involved in the tackle. One thing that makes me a little bit concerned for the future is just I think he's very jittery when he's in man coverage a little bit where guys, smart receivers, a Jahan Dotson did this to him a few times where they give him like that jab, that outside stem go inside. And he just feels like he's not, and this goes into Cam Taylor Britt. It feels like he's not that patient where he's like, yeah, I know you're faking. I'm just going to keep staying here. And if you are going, then I'll break instead. He's kind of like, Oh, he's moving and that, uh, trying to catch back up and move his feet to compensate for it. But just against smart, nuanced receivers, it felt like just a little bit of like jabs and stuff. He's a little jittery on that. And just to blend that into Cam Taylor Britt, he's not like that. He's very patient. And we will talk about Cam Taylor Britt. Now, the guy that the Bengals drafted to play that outside receiver spot, the guy that will in all likelihood mean that we'll never find out if the Bengals think Dax Hill can play outside corner or if Dax Hill can play outside corner because the Bengals simply have enough guys to play that position, I think, on the roster that it shouldn't come up, at least hopefully doesn't come up. And, of course, Cam Taylor-Britt is a big part of the reason that this hope exists. The Bengals trade up for him. He's their last corner in this part of the draft on their board by a significant enough margin that the Bengals went against their character and gave up a full pick, as James likes to make fun of me for describing it as, to go up and get a a guy that they think can play outside corner. Now, the first question, I think, on the mind of Bengals fans, and the question that we've been asking since this pick was submitted was, can he beat out Eli Apple? And maybe more than can he beat out Eli Apple, because of course he can, will he beat out Eli Apple? Or what are the odds that he's ready to be better than Eli Apple right away as a rookie. Mike, what are your thoughts? Uh, he can, and he could like very good chance. He could, if I put my money on it, I just think this coaching staff likes Eli Apple. And I know the contract doesn't state that, but that's Eli's market value. I think the coaching staff likes Eli more than everybody else. <laughs> I don't know. It, it feels like they, they think he's a, a starting quality corner. That's pretty good at his job. And I know they didn't give him a, a big extension to show that, but I do just think the coaching staff, there's, I mean, the coaching staff isn't the one giving the deal. The general manager is, and he knows Eli markets, Eli's market, <laughs> Eli market, Eli Apple's market. Uh, so yeah, I, I think they like Eli Apple more than they show. And uh, I think that's why he'll end up starting. But I do think if Eli ends up injured, if Eli goes back to being the Eli Apple of every other season of his career, then Cam Taylor Pitt probably could get a chance to start. And when he starts, he might just take his job. And uh, even if he's just playing as good as Eli, right? Because you you see Cam and you're like, well, that's he's young and these reps will get help him get better versus giving those reps to Eli. And you know, that, that's older. We know what he is. Mike, Cam Taylor, Britt, uh, th- this entire secondary that they you know added, added three secondary pieces. They all tested well, but specifically with Cam Taylor, Britt, tested like an elite athlete when you watched him. Did that athleticism show? Did it translate to the football field? Because as you know, sometimes they, they're really good running and, and going through all these drills and stuff, but it doesn't translate. Does he have that football speed and football hops and everything like that? Did that translate to the football field? 
Yes and no. Uh, I think it did. Uh, his long speed, for sure. That translates. His explosiveness translate. What, to me, didn't translate is his uh, short area quickness, agility, and his balance. To me, there that was where some of the issues were. He's a little bit stiffer, um, especially for being a corner. So those are what uh, showed to me that he wasn't the elite of the elite athletes. I don't know. D- did he test his uh, three cone and everything? I'm not sure. But it, that part didn't show up. But I do think his 40 time, his uh, his acceleration, his uh, explosiveness, all of that shows up. And really, I I think people hate it, but I did say kind of reminds me of Minnesota Trey Waynes. <laughs> he's physical. He's he's strong. He's a little bit uh, uncoordinated at times. And <laughs> Trey Waynes with ball skills. I don't know. He's got good ball skills. So uh, he, he has a chance to definitely be better than him. But. Yeah, I don't know. Part of me just – and maybe I'm wrong, but I think they they gave that deal to Trey Waynes and they loved him, and then they saw Cam Taylor-Britt, and they might have also been like, what? That kind of looks like the guy we loved. Well, the, the Trey Waynes is a first-rounder, you know? So, yeah. like, if you're getting that at pick 60, that, that feels pretty good. The Trey Waynes comp is interesting because, as you and I discussed in DMs, what, like a month ago now probably, the similarity of – Maybe not quite a month. It's only May 25th. But the, the similarity of the long speed really shows up. But with, with Trey Waynes, it was a lot of speed turns, as Arif Hassan described it when I talked to him back when the Bengals signed Trey Waynes. And he did do his agility testing, Cam Taylor Britt. I think at his pro day, I want to say, a 4.13 shuttle, which is 78th percentile, and a, a 6.933 cone, which is... 67 and a half percentile so pretty good above average for both of those marks but you're right you can see it on tape a little bit and and with dax hill the same sort of issue where they uh sometimes will lose balance a little bit planting back foot to try to break on a route in front of them but the the long speed certainly shows up and the the mentality i think is is a big deal for cam taylor but do you see that quote-unquote dog in him on the football (laughs) field yeah definitely both of them have that dog in them you know (laughs) they both like to make tackles they both like to get involved in the run game i think that's something they love one one uh quick um anecdote it's it's the game we watched on your stream jake they i remember re-watching and um maybe it was that game it was a different game but um when uh they faced uh, Michigan, I think. And when Michigan would play those two tight ends to one side, two wide receivers on the other side, typically, if you don't like your corner in run support, you have him follow the wide receivers, and that's called corners over. Nebraska didn't care. They didn't play corners over. They said, Cam, we know you could fit the run. We know you want to do this. Go ahead, get involved. Because, you know, just he's he's got that dog in him. But to me, Dax is a little bit jittery, and Cam is calm. Cam is very calm and understanding in his technique and his ability as a corner. So I think they are similar, but I almost think like Dax Hill, he's just like always at a hundred and ready to go. And Cam is just like, he feels comfortable, calm, everything cool, calm, collected. Uh, Just, he knows his technique. He feels comfortable with it and he feels confident in himself. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. 
If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Let's talk about Zachary Carter because the the Bengals picked him 95th overall. We knew they wanted to address defensive tackle and Carter was more of a defensive end at Florida. So let's start there. Do you think he can help fill Larry Ogunjobi's shoes as a rookie at, at defensive tackle? Yeah, I, I definitely think he can. It makes me a little bit nervous to just have all those snaps and it feels like, yeah, those will go to Carter because just, you know, as a rookie, that's, that's a that's a big uh, third round, a late third round guy. That's a big hole to fill, but I think he could. I think he's a very high floor type guy. Um, he's, I don't know, he's, he's really uh, strong in his upper body. Um, he's got pretty refined usage of his hands. And when that hits, he's got a little bit of hand placement issue he but he can string moves together he's got a little bit of secondary move he's got uh, a bit of length i don't know a lot of good about him he can work quickly inside outside a little bit of that quickness um and but to me his most impressive thing is that upper body strength and he just steers guys he gets a somebody tries to block him and and you know like they're trying to push him and move him and he's got his hands on the inside and he says we're going where i want to go pal (laughs) he just drives him right where the ball carrier is so i think that type of stuff is going to translate. I, I don't know the the realistic ceiling, but I do think that he comes in and shouldn't be – he should be a pretty good player right away, and he does have the versatility uh, to play, to me, mostly 3-tech, 5-tech, but he could moonlight as a 7-tech and a 1-tech even if you really need it. He's a bit of a, a tweener from a weight perspective. Do you think he would benefit from adding or losing weight? I guess – it sounds like from a from a skill set perspective, you like him better inside. So maybe adding 10 pounds or so, do you think that's possible on his frame from what you observed? Yeah, and I think that's what he should do. Now, will they? I don't know. But the, the Bengals love that bare front with two, three techniques. And if you want Carter to play there full time, then I think you probably want him to add 10, 10 pounds or so. Just weight helps. Weight, weight's going to help him. And one of his negatives is that he's, he doesn't really have an awesome get off. So I'm not worried about him losing any of his get off <laughs> when he adds weight because I'm like, eh, it's, it's our, yes, that's not how he wins already. You know, <laughs> he, he wins other ways. So end wise, you, you don't really see him playing the end against most teams, I guess, at this level. It's fair to say. Yeah. To, to me, it's just that get off. Um, what, and maybe that's just a me thing, but when, when I watch a guy, if he's got a great get off, like, I mean, heck, if Perry and Winfrey lost 20 pounds and wanted to play end, I'd be okay with it because he just got off the ball so well. Mm-hmm. Carter doesn't get off the ball the same way. And to me, to be an end, you have to have a good get off. It doesn't have to be elite, but it has to be your first step and anticipation. Just really, that's got to be there. And it's just not there for Carter. So where do you see him contributing as a rookie? Do you think it's those bare fronts? Do you think it's third down pass rushing packages? Because you know, the, the top end of the Bengals roster has a lot of guys that they probably want to get on the field in those situations. But do you think he cracks that pass rushing package as a rookie? It's between, uh, I think that's an interesting battle that might happen between him and uh, Cam Sample. Because I think Sample's similar in that he's a little bit of a tweener in that weight. Uh, but I do think Sample more is an end. Um, but yeah, who's going to be the pass rush uh, three tech, pass rush interior defensive lineman between those two? Maybe not 
starter because maybe that's Sam Hubbard's spot. Maybe they have Osai there. I don't know. That they've got a lot of talented guys. BJ Hill, of course. I I was honestly thinking you pulled DJ Reader on the past snap so that he gets a break. But yeah, yeah, BJ Hill, uh, any of those guys. Um, So maybe he doesn't crack as the uh, first unit pass rush. Maybe he's the second unit interior defensive lineman. I do think there's just a lot of snaps open and he can take them if he just shows up and he's as good as advertised that, hey, he could just take Larry's snaps or maybe they split them between him and sample. Um, they brought back Tupou. So he's always there to take some of those snaps. Uh, not the sexy unknown potential option, but the solid, we shouldn't have a bad run defense. If we have Josh Tupou in there, let's move to the fourth round now Sands, because it's a guy you watched. It's a guy a lot of people are hoping can be LG1, maybe this year, certainly left guard of the future in Cordell Volson out of North Dakota State. Uh, I'd be lying if I knew a lot of, if I said I knew a lot about him pre draft. The Bengals take him 136th overall. Let's start with the positives. Uh, what do you like about Volson and in, um, what stood out when you watched him on film? What stood out to me is his mentality to finish blocks. I think it was, uh, yeah, it was Howard Mudd, rest in peace. He was the old Indian Indianapolis Colts offensive line coach. And he said the hardest thing to do is to teach offensive linemen to finish their blocks. And Volson has that in him. He wants to drive and finish these blocks, put guys into the ground. He also is a smart player. It processes his stunts quickly, picks them up. He's got good eye discipline. He knows when I've got a guy going inside to get my eyes on the linebacker, on the D tackle looping around, just smart guy, both in the run and pass game. He does that, that grip strength, the core strength. He can torque guys. Um, That's something that's really nice. That's something that I saw um, Austin Corbett's really good at where they're at a stalemate, which is a lot of blocks in the NFL. You reach a stalemate, but he's got this core strength where he's at the stalemate and he just overpowers them by twisting and pushing with that core strength to move them over and seal them off. So those are all really nice areas of his game. And I think he's very experienced in the run game just because of the way North Dakota state plays. He's run zone outside, inside, tight, wide, whatever you want to call it. He's run all of that. He's run tons of different power counter gap stuff, duo. He's run draws. He's run quarterback runs, everything you could think of. He's every block in the run game that you could imagine. Volson has tapes probably in half of his games making that block. When you look at the challenges for Cordell Volson, one of them obviously is going from North Dakota state to the NFL, North Dakota state in uh, championship contention every year, but not in the college football playoff. Of course, it's a, it's a bit of a different playing field for him. Do do things show up at that level of competition that give you pause or things that you think need to be refined or fixed, or is it going to be, you know, normal rookie stuff? Or you know, are there things? I guess technically speaking, in addition to normal rookie stuff, speed of the game, faster, bigger, stronger, etc. That, that stood out to you about Cordell Volson while you're projecting his NFL transition. Yeah. And uh, the one thing about North Dakota state is while it's FCS, they're like the 2009 Alabama of the FCS where they just yeah. go to the ch- championship, like every year running the ball that hey, it's, you love it. It's uh, a better way to make that point. I was trying to say that, but, but that's much more eloquent. Well done. 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's it was inferior competition, right? Because a lot of these guys, I mean, they're they're their future is not football, uh, just they're FCS players. And he didn't dominate them the way I wanted him to. There's There were stalemates that he didn't torque a guy. There's stalemates where he didn't really win that block. Or he's not driving this guy 30 yards downfield. I think he does a good job of sustaining and staying on his blocks, but sometimes he's not the one that's completely in control. And then the real issue that I think he faces early, and this is why I don't think he will be the left guard one, is that there's two things that are in the process of pass protection. Yes, he was zero sacks, and the end result on a lot of plays is he won, right? But when I watch him, it's his he doesn't distribute his weight evenly, and it's something – that's important because when you face Cam Hayward and Stefan Tuitt, who have C4 in their hands and uh, lethal weapons to push you around, it's a lot harder to stay anchored and on your feet and recover when you don't have your weight evenly distribu- distributed. So when he kick slides, it's just it, he looks like he doesn't do that all the time. And I know North Dakota State doesn't do that. So I'm like, yeah, I understand why this isn't refined, but he's like on one foot to the other, to the other. It's like, if you take a good shot while you're like this, how are you recovering with one foot in the air? I mean, just think anchor points. You need two anchor points to make a good recovery there. And then it's also that his base, I talked about this Alex Kappa. Alex Kappa always has a wide, consistent base. Every time pass protection, it's wide, it's consistent. It helps him recover and anchor. Volson kind of clicks his heels when he's kick sliding. That's not what you want to see. And I think that's in part because he's just not, he just didn't have to do it that often in North Dakota State, right? So when I'm talking about he's going side to side. He's also kind of clicking his heels like a shuffle, and that's that's not what you want. You want to kick and slide, kick, slide. So kick, slide, kick, slide, instead of shuffle, shuffle, kind of almost hop. And I, I don't know. It, it, he's not getting out of his stance super quick because of this. He narrows his base. I'm, I'm just, I just have worries about that, and maybe it all gets fixed. I do know – I think every offensive line coach sees something like, you're like, yeah, I'll fix that in one off season. But do you, because Jackson Garman's hand placement was an issue and that wasn't fixed in one off season. It, it was an issue the entire year, but well, I, I don't which know. of those things is harder, the, the oh. hand placement or the footwork. Wow. To me, the footwork, but I don't know. That's probably an individual case, right? Like maybe yeah. Jackson Karma just the those guys are moving so fast, he just has no idea where his hands are going when he shoots them out. It's like I just can't get them inside, coach. <laughs> they always end up on the outside. <laughs> so you just have to keep working on that. I don't know. Is Sands as far as the the positional change going from from tackle to guard for for Volson, and that's what the Bengals have said he's going to do. And obviously, he's training there as of now during these offseason workouts. When you watched him, did you see NFL guard? Did you think tackle was was the better position? And I, I have a two parter, so that's the first one. Does it no. does it scream guard to you? Yeah, yeah, and that's because of the kick slide. Where when you're an NFL tackle, you need to come in the league with at least somewhat of a better kick slide than that. Uh, it, just because there's so many guys that are like just freak edge rushers at this mm-hmm. point, uh, they they just fire off that ball. If you don't have the kick slide to get out there, I mean you'll get toasted. And then do you lose your confidence? Whereas if you're playing guard, it's not as crucial. You still get into that situation sometimes um, where the defense is getting these wide fronts because it's third and 12 and you're like, yeah, we don't care about stopping the run. So now you've got to kick out there and stop the, the defensive tackle. But like we've talked about uh, a lot, 
Spain was in that situation. If you just get outside, you've probably got help from, you could have help from the center. Oh. So if yeah, it, it shows up, but I, to me, I'm like smoother transition for sure to guard than I think NFL tackle, even though he played tackle. And so that leads me to my second part. And you, you sort of answered it, but you said the, the kick slide stuff and the wide base stuff. I would imagine since he's going to be a guard in the NFL, the base issue really needs to be fixed. Not that both don't, but of the two, that's probably the the bigger issue, more pressing issue for a guard. Yeah, to me, just because you face those big, powerful guys and just, hey, just go out there with whoever and just have, just put your feet close together and have somebody push you and then put your feet wide and have somebody push you. It's so much easier to not be moved if you spread your feet out. And that that's, that's just the basic physics of it, of narrow base, point close together easier to topple back versus wide you could take that contact without moving back as much you can anchor in and yeah like i said with alex kappa that, that's one thing i loved about him was just like consistent wide base wide base and he takes that power that helps him against even like the aaron donalds of the world where they try to push into him and he's got that wide base recover try to push forward with all your might so uh yeah as a guard i would think that's the bigger issue because really you can get away if your kick slide kind of sucks as a guard, like you don't want it, but you can get away with it just because you're not playing as in space as tackles do. To me, this draft class and this conversation reinforces this idea for me is an opportunity for the Bengals and this coaching staff to show that they have come a long way in developing players because a lot of these guys don't have immense pressure to play, especially full-time roles right away they can find their niche as as rookies and find ways to contribute early on and this coaching staff can develop the skills for them to be future full-time players and full-time starters and i think that that could be the case for all four of these guys and i think increasingly so the later you get in the draft because daxel and cam taylor Britt, you can easily see playing a lot right away zach carter easy to envisage uh part-time or sub-package role. And then Cordell Volson, as you discussed, Mike, has some things to work on before he can really push to, to get onto the field. But he does have an opportunity to do that, of course, throughout OTAs, training camp, et cetera. And the same is going to be true for Tyson Anderson, the, the safety the Bengals drafted in the sixth round, fifth round. Oh, man. Fifth, fifth round. round. I, I was yeah. mad. Fifth round. Yep. Yeah. Uh, fifth round, who's probably going to be on the field a lot in a special teams context early on. And so I think it'll be interesting to see how this draft class develops. And that's the thing that we're going to be talking about in three years, in my opinion, James, any closing thoughts before we get out of here? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think Mike, you did a, a good job of highlighting the strengths and weaknesses. And I hope that Cordell Volson is a kick slide King week one and is the best left guard in Bengals history starting week one. I don't know if it's going to happen, but uh, that would be the hope here. Cause I'm, you know what I'm sick of. And honestly, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of talking about offensive line. It is, it, it, it you never talk about offensive line when you have a good offensive line. I want to go back to that. And so hopefully that's uh, that's the case by like week eight. Or we can just be bragging about it, which is just as fun as not complaining. Well, more fun probably than not complaining about it. The, the last guy, of course, we didn't mention Jeffrey Gunter also has a challenge to make the roster, I think, but th- there's some, some things to like there, but we don't have the, the time or the space for the film dives today on either of the Bengals latest two 
draft picks. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. As I mentioned on yesterday's show, we have some mailbag stuff coming up in the future in addition to some other topics. So keep your eyes on the at Lockdown Bengals Twitter account and get your questions ready to submit for our next mailbag. Until next time, Bengals fans, thanks for listening. Hootay and have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.